Podcast One production. I'm Sammy Lucas and I'm romantically challenged. Have you ever been told that all you need to do is manifest your perfect partner and they'll magically appear in your world? Yep, me too. And no spoilers here because, well, he's never appeared. But my guest today, Tori, says that after 12 years of not dating, she decided she was ready to meet someone, she set herself some clear dating goals and she manifested her perfect partner. Tori talks to me about how she tried an approach she calls how to win a guy in five dates and how it also led to one of the most shocking slash hilarious dating stories I've heard in a long time. So I don't know, maybe manifesting can work, but only after you've had your fair share of bad dates. Here's Tori. My name is Tori and I'm a female in my 40s. I enjoy every opportunity that is given to me and any challenges thrown my way, I love to view as possibilities. I enjoy the company of friends and family. I love traveling the world and enjoy a glass of red by the fire in the country. I'm an entrepreneur and I was a single mummer of one for over 13 years. My ideal partner would live his life through passion, integrity and delivery, have the ability to grow his soul journey with us, travel the world, laugh, cry, create, empower and just be. Dating in my 40s was life changing. I knew who I was and what I wanted. Victoria, I love listening to your description of your ideal partner in that intro, which we ask everyone to do. And what I love most is that you manifested that man and you found him and you married him just recently, which is wonderful. So you've kind of cracked the code. I definitely cracked the code. (laughs) (laughs) And when I was looking at the introduction, Sammy, it actually came from a journal that I wrote a few years ago and my husband was driving me in here today and he said, that is me. And I got goosebumps and I was like, yes, it is. Okay, well, I want to get to that because I want to know the secret to manifesting a man and him actually appearing in your life, as I'm sure everyone listening now Mm. wants to. But um, I've known you since you started your business 20 years ago. And I think like a lot of people, I always just just looked at you as this incredibly successful, motivated, one of the most together people I've ever met. Oh, thank you, Sammy. But like a lot of people, I had no idea that you were dealing with an incredibly traumatic personal situation in your private life. You've been to hell and back, mm. basically. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I call it success and survival. <laughs> okay, well, let's call it success and survival. And I'm, I'm assuming that after that experience, you you probably thought you'd never find love or trust a man again, Mm. right? A hundred percent. I think, you know, when you're in the depths of what is going on and you feel that there's no light at the end of the tunnel, you do at times feel that. But I always had that vision that I was going to get to the other side of the tunnel. And, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to be sitting here sharing my story with others so that they can feel empowered that it can happen to them too. Let's go back to this situation where you were kind of living a double life. Mm. And you didn't date for 12 years. Why Mm. was that? Um, I was in a situation where I was in a very toxic relationship. And when my daughter was nine months old, I decided to leave her father. And um, he didn't take too kindly to that. And it literally unleashed the beast within. And what I thought would be an amicable split up 
turned into anything but. And so for you know, the good part of 12 years, um, I couldn't really bring another person into my life just because of the toxicity surrounding the situation. So while I did date on and off, you know, it really takes a brave man to stay by your side um, and actually support you and grow you and love you and not be affected by that. And mm-hmm. if I'm completely honest, there wasn't anyone that came into my life around that period who could be that person. So what I decided was, you know, I'm going to fix this myself and I'm going to find that solution. And most importantly, I'm going to find myself because for many women or men that go through these toxic relationships, it's, you know, you got to step outside of that box to really discover who you are, where your inner power is to actually come out the other side. So that was, was really my focus. And for many years, I didn't date. You know, I remember one year I went without kissing or touching or any of those things. I remember coming to the end of the year, and I think you've spoken about this as well. And I'm like, "Hello, you're looking at it." I know. I'm like, what Actually, the fuck? I did. I did have a cheeky pash a few weeks ago, but that was it. Yeah, but exactly. So you know that feeling when you don't you don't have that. And the best advice that I got throughout that time was from um, you know one of my mentors, and she said to me, "Tori, one day this is going to happen for you." And she said, "I want you to wake up in the morning and also go to bed at night and visualize that man in your." bed and you know what is he doing is he touching you is he stroking you does he wake up in the morning does he kiss the nape of your neck we all know what he's doing when he wakes up in exactly hustling <laughs> you for sex and then um yeah well you know when um you know when I met my husband all that visualization that I did it was those exact movements and it was that exact feeling and you know he wakes me up and kisses me on the nape of my neck every morning and I was like you Stop know what? Now you're showing off. Stop it now. But <laughs> visualization, you know, and manifestation, especially when you've gone through a drought yeah. of no men, it actually works and it allows you to see the end of the tunnel. You've touched on something that I have watched so many of my friends go through. And mm. look, I, as you know, I've never been married and I don't mm. have kids, but I've seen so many friends come out of marriages and I think they just expect that it's going to be amicable because, you know, we mm. just can't work together as a couple anymore. But I've just seen these men that were my friends been married to, had children with, mm. turn into monsters. And it's like they're trying to punish her. And I just can't comprehend how you could do that to someone who you were married to, who you stood up in front mm. of all your friends and family and confessed your love to and had children with. This is the mother of your children. Mm. This happens so often, doesn't it? It's so sad. It does, and I think it's a turning point and people lose sight of what's important and really your children should be your number one priority and also protecting your children around that. I feel like for many people going through that situation, we do tend to surround ourselves by an army of people and an army of supporters. But what I've learned through the process is you actually just need yourself and you actually just need to believe in yourself and the outcome that you want because it will eventually come. I guess going to work though, it must be tough putting on that face at work. Like you've sort of got to be the boss at work. How do you not let No one knew anything. No one knew anything. So until I came out with our story um, this year, not a single soul knew outside of my core group of friends what had actually gone on. And I could actually say less than five people knew the whole story. That's a huge burden to carry around every day. Yeah. And to be honest with you, for many years, my stomach was always so swollen, but it was because I was holding everything inside and I could never release it. So, you know, my friends now, they go, oh my gosh, Tori, you know, you look so fabulous. I'm like, well, I'm not carrying around the burden because I was holding all the emotion in my stomach. 
And, you know, at times it was like I looked like I had a second baby. Yeah. But I didn't. It was just I was carrying so much fear and distress within mm. my body and my body didn't know how to release it. The body's amazing, isn't it? Holding yeah. on. How did you release it? Well, actually, the moment came um, in February 2013 when my appendix burst unexpectedly and I had a near-death experience um, and um, I got septicemia. So I had blood poisoning and I was under um, anaesthetic for over six hours and literally before I went in, the um, the surgeon at 2am in the morning, he said to me, you know, who's your next of kin? Do you want more children? You know, asking all these very... Mm direct questions and I was like, well, I'm a single mum of one. And then it, it dawned on me, I've got, and I have no support system in place if something happens to her. Like who's going to look after her, what's going to happen? And then the whole question around, do you want more children? Well, I hadn't even thought about that because I was just coping with what was going on. So I lost eight kilos in five days. So I always say, Sammy, it's good to carry a bit of extra weight because mm. you never know what's going to happen in life. And, you know, you asked a question about what happened to my body. My body... And the universe basically went, fuck you, you need to change your life. And so that was the start of the journey of really clearing out everything in my life and stepping into my power, creating space for new beginnings. And, you know, it did take five or six years to do that. It wasn't an overnight process, but it, you know, like the Pantene ad, it did happen. <laughs> so it was, that was your come to Jesus moment, mm. your appendix bursting, yeah. lying there in hospital going, oh my God, okay, yeah. this is this is my moment. Well, yeah, life support does that for you, right? And um, I was given a six-month recovery. So here I am working with all these global brands, running a business, traveling around the world. And, you know, my life stopped and I got chronic fatigue. I got adrenal fatigue. I really just had to learn to listen to my body and I had to slow my life down. And it was the best thing for me because when you go through a near-death experience and you see the other side and you come out, um, your eyes are wide open as to the takers in your life the givers, the people that are going to be there on the next journey for you. And what I started doing was identifying all these patterns with the men who I'd been dating or who had been in my life. And what I recognised was that the majority of them had just been takers and not givers. And that was like a major wake-up call for what I didn't want in my life. So you knew what you didn't want. How did you then decide it was time to start dating again? Happened a long time after, I have to be honest, Sammy, because I had to work on myself. So to be the best version of yourself, if you want to attract the best version of your ideal man in your life, you also have to be the best version of yourself. So I really invested that time for recovery after my appendix bursting. I literally invested in myself because the best advice I had was if you're happy, everyone else around you will be happy. So I just started stripping everything out of my life that I didn't want. I started giving away things. I started traveling a lot with my daughter. We were like, what's the bucket list? We all of a sudden, we have like laughter in our life, but also making sure that she was on that journey with me as well. And it wasn't until 2017 when I won full custody of my daughter that we went to um, the US over Christmas. And, you know, all of a sudden I have this freedom because, you know, my past and the 12 years of hell 
behind me. My daughter's happy. I'm happy. And I just said to my daughter, look, are you ready for me to go on this journey as well? Because it was the two of us Mm. as a team for such a long time. And, you know, when you then decide to date, how does that look like for your child and people like your friends who are divorced? And, you know, how do you blend your family? And she goes, mum, I'm ready. So I said, great. She goes, I want you to be happy. And I said, I want to be happy too. (laughs) I love that you had that conversation with your daughter. Mm. I mean, you're in a situation where you're so very close with her and you've both been through hell, but it's something I guess a lot of people need to consider. If their mm. kids are little, little, like mm. little ones, it's it's probably not as relevant. But mm. when your son or daughter is old enough to understand mm. the concept of love and relationships mm. and bringing a new person into mum or dad's life, what yeah. a wonderful conversation to have. Well, it's a great conversation. We talked about it for about six months before as well. Like, what is your ideal family? So did she encourage you to start dating? She like- did. My girlfriend had met her husband on Bumble in the US and she said, Tori, I'm sorry, you have to go online dating. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh my God, this is so outside of my comfort zone. Yes. And also I never really dated guys in Australia because of my situation. And um and Bella was like, okay, we're going to do it together and you have to be truthful. And I said, yes, let's get on to Bumble. I think Bumble is the one. And so we sat there, we wrote the profile. And for me, everything's about truth and authenticity. So if I'm authentic, they will see that and they will be authentic I as well. I wish more people thought that. Well, you need to be, right? That you have to honour your truth. It seems so basic and yeah. simple, but a lot of people don't. Yeah. Act that way. Anyway, and yeah. So what I didn't want to do is attract the takers, which I'd had when I was dating before. And what I wanted to attract was a giver and someone who was also into unconditional love, but who shared the same values as me. But also I didn't want to give away too much about who I was. So we came up with three words. Um, one was global traveler. Um, mama of one, because I wanted to be very upfront that I had a child mm-hmm. and business owner. And then I just said, looking for love and adventure. Because that was your whole profile? Yeah, that was it. And I think I had five photos and they were all from us in the US um, on this road trip. I obviously didn't put any pictures of my daughter up there, but they were just me on photos that my daughter captured. And what it did was it captured the essence of who I was. And I had this complete freedom and happy heart because I'd removed everything out of my life that didn't serve my purpose, right? So in your bio, you had global traveller, mum of one, businesswoman right? How did the men respond to that? And particularly you being a businesswoman? I think what it did was it allowed me to attract people on the same level. So the people that I dated were business people because I'd put out there that I was a business owner. And I also put global traveler on there because I like to travel. I love jumping on a plane, Mm -hmm. exploring new things. I've always done it for work. And um, the people that I attracted were also travelers. I reckon that was a really good profile for you. That's perfect. And that's, mm. you know, you didn't say much, but you said enough. Yeah. And you really feel just having those three three points attracted what yeah, you were Yeah, because it set for. a benchmark. And in life, you've got to set a benchmark for what you want. So those three things I felt really encapsulated who I was as a person. Perfect. So, you know, all this fluffy stuff, you don't want fluff. You just, men just want women to get to the point they don't want to have to navigate and work it out. Yeah, but I want him to get to the point too with his profile. That's so yeah, great. Yeah, well, I that's why that. I think the guys should do the same thing. And I think also on that point, the guys that I attracted and I dated, theirs were to the point as well. Yeah, so it was just like, boom, you know, yep. like we've match. got a match here. <laughs> <laughs> so I got back to Sydney and I thought, right, we'd been watching this movie, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, and we were like, 
why don't we switch it around? And, you know, rather than lose a guy, win a guy. And so I thought, okay, I've got six days before I go back to work. I'm going to date five guys in six days. What was the vetting process? Well, I wanted someone that lived near me because I just thought, you know what? I, number one, I'm a mom and I'm a business owner and I don't want to be hiking over 30 minutes to visit someone because that's just not going to work for me. We've heard this before. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a big factor for a lot yeah. of people. Is- and I think also that's, you know, you're in the same demographic and you can build a relationship um, faster and stronger because you're available to see each other. You're not stuck in traffic getting frustrated <laughs> or, you know, becoming resentful. Like so many women go, oh, I resent driving that 45 minutes. I didn't want any of that. I just want it to be easy. So that was one of the things, um, you know, I wanted someone to really um, believe in themselves And I wanted them to have truth, integrity. I wanted them to be passionate. But you can't tell that from a profile photo and a few words. Well, you can when you start conversing with them. All right. So So what was the key to conversing and weeding them out? There was weeding them out. So for me, the hardest thing was like the girl has to talk to the boy first. So you have to make the first move. On Bumble, yes. Yeah. So I can't remember the exact words that I was using but I'd be like, tell me a little bit, little about yourself, you know, and then what would come back would be very interesting. And then, you know, the, I'd, I'd then converse back and then someone would be like, oh, do you want to come to my house and I'll cook you dinner? And it's like, uh, not in the first date, no. And then I just delete it until I started attracting these people that were more on my level. So my first five dates were, you know, and I say this to my husband now, we laugh. I always go, I met the most incredible men. But then what would the guys say that would be instant dismissal? Do you remember? So someone be sexual. Oh, of course, yeah. Delete. Yeah. No, absolutely not. And then other people would start talking about, you know, their situation. I'm divorced or I'm single. I've never been married. And I'd had this advice um, from a guy friend of mine and he said to her, when you go online dating, he said, make sure that the man that you date is actually divorced and because, you know, yes, <laughs> there are those of, you know, people out there that aren't. The people uh, who say they're separated, yeah. but curiously, they're still living they're in the still, same house. I know, I dated what? one of these dates. This guy was like, oh, and I'm living with my wife and kids. I was like, wow, that's going to wrap up quickly. But he also said to me, make sure that they've had time to heal. So make sure that they've had five or six years out in the paddock Five he or six years is a long time. But they're I allowed to heal. No, and guess what? My husband had six years and he, like, he will tell you the same thing, Sammy. He goes, those six years, he goes, I lived my life. I had such a great time, but most importantly, I healed. And then when I met you, I was ready for you because I'd gone through the process. What's the weirdest date or the the most sort of the funniest date you went on? The one, the date you talk about at dinner parties. Oh my gosh, you cracker. So out of the first time that I said, you know, five dates in six days, I ended up dating this guy um, who worked in banking and he came to my house for dinner. So he arrives at my house on, I think it was like a Thursday night because he was going away for the rugby for the weekend. And he, he arrived with his dirty laundry and we had only been dating <laughs> Like I wouldn't even say for two months. And um, he said, oh, um, I'll be back on Sunday night and can you dry clean my clothes? 
And for me, I was like, well, okay. I hope you're not this wrong. And I thought, oh, what, is he going to give me some money? Or, you know, like, or is he just expecting me to drop off his dirty laundry and pay for it? And I worked out, yes, that was what he expected me to do. And <laughs> sorry, I'm I'm not speechless very often on this podcast, but that is one of the most terrific I've oh, ever. Oh yeah, and then the the thing is, after that, um, you know, a week later, I'm with my girlfriend celebrating her birthday, and I said, "Oh gosh." So round one of the five guys out of six. And then I thought, okay, well, I really do want to meet this man. It's a year of love and adventure. So again, I do the five, you know, the five dates in six days. And the first one was, um, you know, I met my husband on the first date of the next one. What was it about him that made you agree to a date? So what I loved about him is his honesty. And he just was very upfront about who he was, what he wanted, and where he was at in his life. But the one thing that stood out for me was we were talking about what we both did and I was, you know, not giving much away about what I did and vice versa for him. But he said to me, the one thing I've learned through dating is that if you have common interests of around 30% in work, it's a really great foundation for future conversation in a relationship. And I thought, wow, no one's ever said this to me before. And I thought, well, I really thought about that because it's true. All the guys I dated before were um, not in my industry, didn't understand what I did, were willing to take from me but not willing to give and didn't really understand me. So what do you mean, 30%? 30%. He said 30% of the conversation that you're going to have on a day-to-day basis with whoever you're with, whether it's a lover, it's a partner, mm. husband, you're going to be talking about work. We all work. Mm. Everyone, most people work five days a week. Right. And so you've got a common ground. Right. And so we worked out we had a common ground. So, you know, I've launched um, a lot of the biggest brands in the world and I've been really successful at doing that. He also worked with the world's biggest retail brands. So we had this instant, you know, commonality of conversation where we could talk about things. And I thought that was brilliant because mm. years on into our relationship, it's um, we talk about work and we it's, help each other. I mean, he knows nothing about PR. Obviously, he does now and he understands <laughs> the power of the media. <laughs> but okay, you know, so what I love about this story and I want to take you back a few yeah. years is this guy who you randomly swipe on Bumble, right? Yeah. Go on a date with him. It turns out he is the man you manifested yes. in a journal, which you have sitting on the desk yeah, in front of you right here. I know. So tell me about how you manifested this man because I think a lot of us have kind of been there and I, I'm going to tell you something that mm. I probably haven't really told anyone is that I used to lie in yoga class, mm. used to go, and you know, the Shavasana at the mm. end and I was like, I'm going to take this opportunity to try and manifest what do I want him to be? And I'd always, like everyone else around me snoring and I'm like, okay, I want him to be kind. Yes. I want him to be honest. I want him to be generous. Mm. I want him to be smart, mm. motivated. And I'd go through this list mm. and I'd do it every day. Mm. It didn't work for me, but tell me how it worked for you. So I have my journal here in 2016. This is what I wrote. I'm learning to recognise the signs and stop, listen, to understand how to become a better person. My heart is now yearning to share this journey with my soulmate, a person of equal values, a man who will love and accept me for all that I am and all that I will be, a man who I can trust will support me through my next journey of life, share experiences, ambitions and life goals. So that was 2016. Then my journal... 
in 2017, which is actually um, six months before I met my husband, uh, and I just won full custody of my daughter, I wrote the big one, exclamation mark. Is that the title? <laughs> the big one? Yeah, the big one. <laughs> I mean, that's a bit raunchy, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I said, um, what I'm most looking forward to is a love partnership. I cannot wait to build a family foundation with the love of my life to grow and share a future together, to show my daughter that love is possible when you heal and empower yourself and that it is never too late to step up and become a better version of yourself. My life partner will always live his life through truth, passion, and integrity. He will be successful in his own right, come from a loving family, will love my daughter and I as his own, have the ability to grow his soul journey with us, travel the world, laugh, cry, create, empower, and just be. There will be no hidden secrets or doors, a circle of trust only. I'm looking forward to meeting him soon. And six months later, you met him? Yeah. Tell me you've read that out at your wedding. I should recently. have, Sammy. Oh. oh, my gosh, I should have. Damn it. <laughs> I, no, I read it out to him this morning and he was like, oh, my gosh. He said that, I mean, you know, he got all teary and was like, that's me. And I said, I know, it's you. So how did you get from the words on the page to him appearing on Bumble? I did the work on myself to attract the right person. And most importantly, he'd done the work on himself to attract the right person. And ironically, I actually swiped him on my first round, but we never met. So I was meant to go through those other five dates to have the experience because obviously, you know, it was the universe going, hello, you don't need to put up with this. And um, just saying to me, you need to be firm when you go on these dates that if it's not for you, it's okay. Just walk away. Yeah. And I think that as women, a lot of us try and compromise and go, oh, we can put up with this or we can put up with that. But guess what? We don't have to. And so by the time I'd done that second round when I was sitting at my girlfriend's party and I was like, I'm going to do this again, I just thought to myself, I am not compromising. Like I'm not compromising. I'm going to go on these five dates. And I dated four other guys after that first date with him. I continued on that path that week and it taught me a lot about myself and other people. And then he asked me out on a second date and um, then the next day he actually flew to America and um, he had this incredible trip. And what I loved about that trip was that we communicated and I just thought, you know what, he's a guy that's willing to take a chance. And we'd been chatting over this three-week period and I'd gotten to know him as a person. So he literally hopped off the plane from Hawaii. We met at Fred's in Paddington. Um, our eyes locked across the room at the bar. He kissed me like I've never been kissed before. Was this your second date? Third date. Third date. And I was like, wow. I also think, and I always say this, right person, right time. Mm. Do you think if you'd met him... A year earlier, mm. he would not have been the right person? 100% not. Yeah. yeah. Not for either of us because, you know, we were still clearing everything out. Yeah. And like I said before, you know, when I won that full custody, for me, my friends are like, oh my gosh, you can date straight away. But I wasn't ready. I literally was like, I need to spend more time on, on my own with my daughter and make sure my daughter is, you know, prepared for this journey. So I love with your story that, you know, out of something that was really traumatic for you, which mm. a lot of people have gone through and relationships go bad and you took the time to heal, mm -hmm. you manifested and, and it all worked out, yeah. which is perfect. So what are your sort of final, 
I don't know, tips or advice for people listening who maybe have come out of relationships and just feel like they're never going to ever meet anyone again? The one thing I'd say is when you have a happy heart, you have freedom, right? So there's nothing stopping you from anything. And when you have freedom, you have choice, okay? And Mm -hmm. choice opens up opportunities. And then with those opportunities, anything is possible, because what you're doing is you're attracting the very best version of yourself. And yeah. it is the best advice, Sammy, because if you're happy, everyone else around you is happy. But you've got to believe in the journey. And if you're not prepared to put the hard work in, yeah. nothing will ever happen. It's true, like never give up, right? So many years ago, before my appendix burst, actually, it would have been like the early 2000s, I was in Thailand with my daughter I saw this thing in, in um, the hotel we were staying in. It's like palm reader. And of course, you're looking for answers because you don't have love. <laughs> I thought, I'm going to go and see this palm reader. So off I trot, <laughs> see this palm reader on, on this bureau and I'm in this beautiful part of Thailand and, and this guy is reading my palm and he said to me, my gosh, you're going to have this incredible journey. It's, it's going to be a lot of struggle. And then you're going to be this warrior princess that breaks through and you're going to empower others. And I was like, oh, yeah, Okay. What about love? And he said to me, you're not going to find love until you're 43, 44. And at this point, I'm in my early um, 30s or mid 30s. And I remember walking away from this going, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is six, seven years away. This guy is telling me six, seven years away and I can either believe this or not. And he's telling me I'm going to have this massive struggle in my life and then I'm going to find the one but this is going to be such a long time away. And I just remember just walking away, just being very, very deflated. So when you talk about believing in yourself and the journey, and all, I was not believing in anything at that point. And I was, you know, I wasn't in a great place because of everything that was going on in my life. Anyway, two years ago, I'm at another place in Thailand and this guy's name pops up. It's a completely different island. It's a completely different resort. Your husband's name? No, the palm oh, reader. the palm reader. And I was like, I need to conquer my fears around this because I'm still single, okay? So you went back and saw him. Yeah, I was 43 years old and I met my husband when I was 44. you're like, you told me I'd find love at 43, where is he? I literally went in and said that to him, you're not going to remember me, but this is what happened. And he said to me, I don't know what you're worried about. In the next six months, it's all going to happen. You just need to manifest it and just really hone in on what you want. And six months later, it happened. Okay, what's this palm reader's name and where exactly? (laughs) Amesh, which island was he? He was Phuket, Phuket, Thailand. Amesh, Amesh in Phuket, (laughs) booking a flight right now. Okay, good. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I know you do your Powerful Steps workshops now and people can, you know, really come and hear more about your journey. Mm. And I'm so, so happy you found what you're looking for, Tori. Thank you, Sammy. Romantically Challenged was presented by me, Sammy Lucas, in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Sound production was by Matt Nikolic and the executive producer is Jenny Goggin. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au, download the Podcast One app or look me up on iTunes.